0: Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. We'll give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercies endure forever. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this Thanksgiving Sunday. Thank you, God, for just all of the marvelous works that you have done. I pray, God, that as we are studying your word, that you would turn our hearts and our minds even more towards you. I pray that you would give us hearts and minds ready to receive your word um, and that this would lead us even deeper into worship. All these things I pray in your precious and holy name. Amen. So, uh, this past week, uh, in preparation for Thanksgiving Sunday, I was thinking back on uh, City of Refuge, thinking back on just my experiences here at the church. And I was remembering back to when Ellen and I first came to City of Refuge. So, we started coming, I think, in 2005. And I got talked into joining the choir (laughs) by my lovely wife. And uh, so at the time, we had risers up here on the stage. And so I joined the choir, and, and to be honest, it was a bit of an uncomfortable experience for two reasons, one being I can carry a tune just not particularly far. So there was that. But then also, they were singing music that my little church in Faith Lutheran out in Sugarland had never seen before. And, and I was being asked to, like, you know, do the whole clap and sway thing. At the time, that was a real challenge. Right? The choir would sway left, Brandon would sway right. But nonetheless, I really appreciated being up there. And for a couple of reasons. One was I learned a lot there about what it looks like to worship in a multicultural church. Because when you're up here, you get to see the congregation worshiping. And it is a delight that even on those songs where it's like, I'm not sure this is my heart language, you could see people and the way they were responding. And, and so you, it helped teach me a, a more selfless way of worship, where it wasn't just about my needs, what I wanted. It was also about everyone in the congregation coming to a place of worshiping God and and getting to those times where it was in their heart language as well. But it was also good for me in the sense that, you know, there were days when I was not excited to be there, where I was just tired, worn out, whatever. But being up here, seeing the congregation worshiping, it was a call to worship to me where there was a sense where they were calling me, where I would see people who came genuinely to worship, and it was like, oh, yes, that's why I'm here. I am here to worship God. And it was this call to worship, this reminder of why I was here and what was important. And the psalm we're looking at today is kind of serving that purpose it's, I think, a mirror to us of a call to worship. And so I wanted to look in that mirror on this Thanksgiving Sunday about why do we worship and what are we worshiping for and who are we worshiping. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Psalm 98. And I'd like to read it here. Starting in verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together. Before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth, he will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the psalmist starts out, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. And all of the Christian artists in the world rejoice because there's the call, a new song. See, it's right there in the text. But there's this call to sing to the Lord, to be meditating on the things that he has done and finding ways to praise him. And he gives a bunch of reasons here why. And it starts with this idea of he has done marvelous things. Marvel, things to look at and admire and be in awe to. God has done these things. And he points to a number of things. He talks about in verse 1 that he has worked with his right hand. Now, in the Old Testament, a I'm sorry to all the lefties, but the right arm is considered the arm of strength. It's the arm of doing. This is representing that God is working with strength and with power and ability. And what is he working? This is the second thing. He's working salvation. So he is working with strength to save. And this is a marvelous thing that he has done. And that this is revealing something. It says that the Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nation. So he's working with strength for salvation. And this is revealing something about who he is. His character is on display. His righteousness, his goodness, his ability, his power, and his love are being displayed through these strong works of salvation. And then it says that he has remembered his steadfast love. And his faithfulness. Now, this may take a little explanation. What is God doing remembering something? How does he forget? Well, in the Old Testament, when it talks about God remembering, it is not that somehow there was something that he was forgotten about and was like, oh, yeah, I need to do that, right? This is not like our remembering. But in the Old Testament, when God is getting ready to act in a way that is in accordance with his love and his faithfulness, Perhaps after a season where it has been less apparent, it says that he remembers his love and his faithfulness. So think, for instance, about Israel and Egypt. Having been enslaved for hundreds of years, it says that God remembered his people. It is not that he had forgotten them. It's not that somehow they had ever wandered out of his sovereign will and care, but he is getting ready to send Moses to set them free. His, he has remembered his love. He has remembered his faithfulness to his promises and is getting ready to act. So this is a remembering back to all of those times when God saw his people in distress and and acted, remembered his love, remembered the faithfulness, covenant promises that he had made to them. So you have to imagine that the psalmist here is thinking back on a lot of these things in Israel's history, remembering all of these marvelous works that he has done, remembering back to Abraham And God calling him to go to the promised land. Remembering back to Joseph in Egypt providing food for the starving people of his day. Remembering the time when God's people were in slavery and the calling of Moses to go and bring them out with these mighty works and acts that put God's power and his love on display to the nations. He's probably thinking back on Joshua and Judges where God's people, even though over and over again, they were turning to idols and turning away from God, nonetheless, because God loved them and God was faithful to them, he continued to raise up people to set them free. Over and over and over again in the Old Testament, God has been working salvation for his people. And so here he is reflecting back and saying, look at all of these marvelous works. But is thinking, how much more then do we, In 2022, go and look back and say, let's see the marvelous works of God. If he, sitting there in the Old Testament, can look back and see that, how much more can we, now that we have seen the Messiah, we have seen the coming of Jesus, we have seen his birth, we have seen his life, we have seen his death on the cross on our behalf, we have seen his resurrection... We have seen the coming of the Holy Spirit on the church. We have seen him working through the early church to spread the gospel into Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. We have seen through thousands of years God's continued faithfulness to the church, God's continued faithfulness to his people, continually drawing them back to him. How much more here at City of Refuge have we seen him work even in this little church sitting here on the corner of Yellowstone and Ardmore, we have seen God act with so much provision and care for our church. We have seen him provide through so many seasons of life. And we have seen people come into relationship with him through the ministry of this church. Like we have seen God's faithfulness over and over and over and over again. How much more can we say, like the psalmist said, let's look at the marvelous works of God. You know, I was looking a little bit at where can you see sort of God's work writ large today. So I I did a little bit of research of just where are places in the world where you see the gospel growing. So one source I looked at said that in China, a place where there has been a lot of historical persecution of Christians, there has been 10% growth in Christianity since 1979 And some speculate that they may have the largest population of Christians by 2030. Um, There was a a report written by a woman named Gina Zuro in 2013, and in it, she listed the nations that had the highest growth rate of people coming into relationship with Jesus. These are the top seven nations. Nepal, China, United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Oman, and Yemen. God is still working in the world. He is still calling people to himself. He is still doing marvelous deeds if we will turn our eyes and look at them. Amen? Amen. So how does the psalmist call us to respond to that? Here are his marvelous deeds. He says in verse 4, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, and break forth into joyous song and sing praises. So we are going to see this call to worship. We read earlier, what does the psalmist say we should do? Verse 4, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and all those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands and let the hills sing for joy before the Lord for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and his people with equity. I love this section where he's, he's calling to worship because it's almost like he's building, he's building the choir or building the band. So, so he starts out saying that we need to make a joyful noise to the Lord. And then in verse 5 and 6, you get him almost calling out to different people to come and play instruments, right? This is clearly a call to people. You know, he's saying, okay, you play the lyre, let's go. You play the horn, let's go. You play the trumpet, let's get up here. You play the piano, great. You play the guitar, come up here. You play the tuba, sure, come on up here. Right? Like it's it's just a call to whatever that thing is that you have a gifting in to bring that to praise. Right? This is a call to to people to to bring worship to God. But I love it because he doesn't stop there in terms of building out his band and building out his choir, because then he turns to creation. And he says, Let the sea roar can think of that sound of the waves coming up, crashing against the rocks or against the beach. Let the rivers clap their hands. You can think of that sound of what it sounds like when a river's going over rocks. And then let the hills sing for joy together. It's like you have it's like he's building you've got the bass section, right? You've got the sea playing the bass, you've got the rivers playing the, the rhythm section, and, and then you've got the voice of the hills. Now, when I read that, I immediately go to The Sound of Music. <laughs> Who all has seen The Sound of Music? Okay, yeah, hopefully most, most of the people of my generation will have seen this movie. So, if you think, to like, to the very beginning of The Sound of Music, there's, like, a, like a five-minute orchestral suite at the beginning of it. Right? They used to do this in movies. They don't do it much. I think like our attention spans have just gotten too short. But at the beginning of The Sound of Music, there is this almost like five-minute orchestral street where they're just showing footage of the hills and the mountains of Austria. right? And of course, it ends with like the swooping shot with Julie Andrews breaking into The Hills Are Alive with The Sound of Music. But when they talk about just what does it sound like for the hills to sing... That's where immediately my mind goes. But whatever that thing is, it's it's this idea of all of creation joining together, not just in its individual parts, but collectively making this joyful noise to the Lord. I'm kind of reminded of when Jesus is is coming into Jerusalem and and people are, are criticizing the fact that that he's receiving worship, and he says, if they stop, the rocks will cry out. Right? That's this idea that creation is always worshiping God. Now, I touched on this in Psalm 19, and I, but I'm going to hit on it again because I love this idea that creation is always there worshiping God all the time. We saw it in Psalm 19 where it talked about the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky is showing his handiwork and day after day is uttering speech. Night after night is showing forth knowledge. It's like you want to see something worshiping God, go look at the sky. And then here is Psalm 98. You want to see something worshiping God, go look at the ocean, go look at the rivers, go look at the hills, right? All of these are joining together in a chorus to glorify God. And here in Psalm 98, he's like putting together this choir where we are joining in with all that nature is doing. And that kind of took me back to that time when I was up on stage and and sometimes needed that call to worship because I was watching someone else worshiping God, I think creation is supposed to serve as that kind of mirror for us. Where we're kind of, yeah, we're up on stage, we're supposed to be worshiping, right? We've got, we've got our lyre, whatever that thing is that we're, we're good at. But boy, we look out and the seas are roaring and the rivers are clapping, and the hills are singing. And it's just calling us to join in, to make a joyful noise along with them. And this is how we are to respond when we see the marvelous things that God has done. The Psalm ends, verse nine. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. So this psalm is what is called an enthronement psalm. There's a couple of them um, in the Psalter. And it's called that because it focuses on God as king. And we see that in verse 6, with trumpet and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the king, the Lord. And here at the very end, he ends with this note of... Rejoicing over the fact that he will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. And I love this because it would be very easy, I think, to just chalk this psalm up to just, I don't know, wishful thinking. Just focusing on the good things. But no, this is a psalm that is very cognizant of the fact that this is a broken world. That there are ways in which we need to be saved, in which people need to be saved, where there is brokenness and where there is a deep need for there to be a good king. And so this psalm ends rejoicing about the fact that God's judgments are good, that his decrees are good, that he is a just God who can make judgments that people never can because he knows all and is completely good and righteous and that he has laid out a way of life for us that is good and leads to life because he is our good king. And this psalm ends there with both the present reality of the fact that God's judgment is good, but I think we also know that this is a, a moment of hope where we believe that the King has come once, but that the King will also become, come again. We're getting ready to go into the Advent season. And in Advent, we celebrate two things we celebrate that Jesus came once, we remember his birth, but we also celebrate that he is coming again. And we celebrate the fact that someday his judgment will be complete, that that his justice will be completely done, that his good will be completely done, that we will eventually live in a place of peace under a good and righteous king. And so Psalm 98 ends with that. So how do we respond to this? In some ways, it's pretty simple. Reflect on the marvelous things of God and respond by making a joyful noise to the Lord. And it's something I wanted to just remind you of and encourage you on in this week where, yes, it's Thanksgiving, but there's still going to be all sorts of things vying for our attention and focus. And let this season be a reminder of this way of life that we have, of reflecting on the marvelous things of God and responding to that by making a joyful noise, amen?